1: Welcome to another episode of Bulls HQ Chicago Bulls Podcast on the Blue Eye Sports Podcasting Network. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the show. Thank you to Indeed and Bet Online for sponsoring this episode of Bulls HQ. One that is coming at you straight after the Bulls uh season opener. We'll, we'll call it that. I suppose it was a season opener. It was uh, <laughs> technically it was, but my god, was that a bad, bad game? Why am I even talking about this game, Bulls fans? I wasn't meant to be like if you tuned into the last Bulls Bulls HQ podcast, I didn't actually th- expect to be talking to anyone again before the close of 2020. But um, my travel plans greatly changed thanks to COVID 19 here in Australia. So I'm back home. I got a chance to watch the Bulls first pre. Well, for, I was about to say first preseason game, but first regular season game. It felt like a preseason game, but um, unfortunately, it was their first regular season game. I got to watch that live. And maybe I shouldn't have, (laughs) maybe I shouldn't have, because what an absolute disaster that was, my God, why am I even podcasting about this stupid, dumb game, but um, I guess I just had to get my thoughts out there, And, and maybe that's a way of helping me deal with what I just witnessed, and maybe you feel very similarly, but I mean, first game of the season, new coach, new front office, renewed hope of maybe something better was around the corner, but uh, at halftime, it felt like more of the same. Bulls down big, down 24 points at the half. I think they were down by 40 points at one, th- at one stage through that game. If, if they weren't, it certainly felt like it. But my God, did this team get absolutely torched by the Atlanta Hawks, a team who the Bulls are competing for in terms of whether it's the eighth seed or a play-in tournament, whatever it might be, a team that the Bulls are directly competing with. My God, did the Atlanta Hawks just completely pants the Bulls. And they did that by missing a few rotational players themselves. Chris Dunn didn't play. Rajan Rondo didn't play. Clint Kampala didn't play. Onyeka Okongwu didn't play for the Atlanta Hawks. They were missing four key rotational players and still they absolutely destroyed the Chicago Bulls. I mean, what a what a what a, what a just a terrible opening way to start the season. And I, I'm, I'm really hopeful that it's not something or not a sign of things to come. And I'm assuming that it won't be because surely the team can't be this bad Again, or consistently this bad, but um, who the hell knows, but my God, just, just a really bad, bad, bad first up appearance by the Bulls. And it was one of those games where you can sort of just map out every single concern we had as a fan base of this team. Every concern we had, it just played out in the singular game. It's not like one or two of these bad things sort of appeared in one game. Literally the whole gamut of of concerns that we have as fans about this team appeared and did so in the first game of the season. That's what made it tough viewing against a team that is really bad on defense and the Bulls couldn't even find a way to score against just a, a terrible Hawks defense and maybe more importantly had no chance actually stopping the Hawks on defense. So... I guess that's where we have to start, because to me at least, that was the most concerning element of this game—the fact that the Bulls could get zero stops. Trey Young absolutely destroyed the Bulls in pick and roll. Kobe White, Zach Levine, whoever was guarding the the the, the ball handler, which was often Trey Young in these scenarios. They just couldn't stay with Trey Young at all. Couldn't stay connected on, with Trey Young in one-on-one situations. Could not stay on with Trey Young the minute a screen came along. Go back and watch that game if you if you want to. If you want to, I don't know if you're statistically in that sense. If you want to go back and um watch this game and <laughs> watch it watch some of these players again. Go back and watch how these Bulls wings just got absolutely killed on the screen. And what I mean by that is that the screen would be set on, for Trey Young. The Bulls player would run into the screen, had no ability to to get over the screen, couldn't fight over the screen, allowing Trey Young to either stop at the three point line, pull up from the three, and, and walk into an open three point shot, or maybe worse yet, allow him to get into the lane and create baskets for either himself or or even for someone like John Collins, who was just completely dominant as a uh, as a rolling big in this game. So this could have been so much worse if they had more offensive players at their disposals, but. The Bulls' defense was just terrible at really, really stopping the ball at the point of the attack. It really exposed the Bulls' new defensive coverage, the drop scheme. The Bulls' centers had no idea whether they should be coming up and sort of trying to to guard the player at the point of attack, whether they should be, you know, hedging at the point of attack, stunting at the point of the attack, and trying to take the ball away from Trey Young. But in doing so, what that what that ultimately creates is the lob threat on the pick and roll, specifically for the roll man. And we saw on a number of occasions where the center. Got caught in between trying to trying to help guard the, the the ball handler or trying to guard the rim, and so many on so many occasions the Hawks were just able to create points for their role man, and just an absolute calamity on defense. Players just couldn't get it together in transition defense either. My God, was it bad? There was there was so many occasions in this game where the Bulls just wouldn't pick up their men in transition basketball. I mean, Zach Levine got the initial. The initial responsibility of guarding Trey Young, and in that first quarter, there was there was moments when Zach just simply wouldn't pick up Trey Young in transition, which I just don't understand why the hell you wouldn't do that, given how good Trey Young is, is in transition. And then in the half-court situations, like I said, the Bulls are just getting absolutely roasted on pick and roll coverages. But even, even worse than that, I suppose, was the fact that these guys just couldn't understand their coverages in half-court settings. There was there was occasions where they just didn't know who they were matching up on. Billy Donovan called a timeout at one point because Kobe White and Otto Porter just got completely confused as to who was meant to be guarding. I think it was Kevin Hurter who did, who who hit a three at one point and they just had no idea who was meant to be guarding who. Like how, how do you get those coverages so wrong and, and just so completely muddled when you've had this amount of time to sort of prepare, at least for your first game of the season. It was just, it was really disheartening in that sense. So the defense was just completely all over the place. That was probably the main concern for me. The fact that, that the defense was just completely, completely terrible. And obviously that flowed into the offense itself. But if you can't defend, if you're going to give up 80 odd points in the first half of a basketball game, then you're just not going to win many basketball games. I don't care how good your offense is or or how good your offense is flowing, but no matter how good or bad it is, it means nothing if your defense is just that abysmal. And the Bulls perimeter defense, uh, that was a concern I had going into the season. I know I wasn't a person that was, too concerned about losing Chris Dunn and Shaq Harrison, but boy, does that look like a bit of a weak spot now at this point, given that the Bulls are running a Kobe White and Zach Levine backcourt. Tomas Sotoransky didn't really play. He's still, uh, he was available for this game, but wasn't necessarily playing because he missed so much time in preseason, being in, in, in as part of the NBA's COVID protocol. So he didn't necessarily play, which meant Ryan Archidiakchino was getting a lot of backup minutes. Look, I love Archie Diakono. I love the way he plays. I like his competitive spirit. I hate the man bun, but I love the way he just goes out there and tries hard and hustles. But he's not a player that you want playing 20-25 minutes against Trey Young. If that's happening, then something's gone really, really wrong. And we saw that. I mean, Kobe White was getting absolutely dusted by Trey Young. They made the switch after the first quarter, really. That's... Uh, Kobe White started playing more on on Trey Young because initially Kobe was getting matched up against Cam Redditch, which is in itself was a bad move because Cam Reddish is just so much bigger than Kobe White. So in that sense, bad match matchup for Kobe, bad matchup for Zach Levine. They, the Hawks just really took the to the Bulls to task on offense, and then coming coming from there, but the fact that the Bulls couldn't get a stop on defense, it really impacted their offense. They couldn't get into transition offense themselves. They couldn't make a move on offense themselves, so it was a lot of half-court sets for the Bulls on offense, which I guess allowed a bad Hawks defense to get set, which makes it, you know, any bad defense will take that. If you can, if a bad defense can get set in half-court, that gives them more of an ability to stay in the game, gives them less chances of getting absolutely wrecked in transition. So when you sort of couple those two two things together, the fact that the Bulls defense was so bad that they couldn't necessarily create transition opportunities for themselves because they just weren't stopping the ball. Then it just left them to sort of have a really bad defense coupled with a half-court offense that had no ability to generate any offense at this point at all. So that is another concern that we had going into this season is could Kobe White and Zach Levine create enough baskets for their teammates? And after one game, it, it wasn't a good look. It wasn't a good look at all. I know a lot of fans very much believe that Kobe White is a point guard, that he can be the point guard of the future. And whilst I certainly have my uh, my reservations about that, I was okay with trying this now, uh, trying this experiment at this point. I mean, that's what this season is for. Ultimately, it's, a, it's it's a season of of exploration, a season of trying to understand what the Bulls do or don't have. But after one game, I mean, that point guard experiment with Kobe White there looked really, really bad. He just did not look comfortable at all. It started on defense, like I said, where he was getting absolutely worked by Trey Young, and it flowed into his offensive game where he just didn't have very much control on the offensive end at all his own scoring just didn't appear but beyond that his playmaking was just not very good for his teammates not to say that it was just on kobe white himself i mean he whilst he you know had three turnovers himself seven assists those numbers in hindsight don't look too bad but just his general playmaking wasn't very good there was just no playmaking at all from anyone else on the floor to the point where Dare I say it, Larry Markkinen may have been the, best, the Bulls' best playmaker tonight, which is not what you want to necessarily be seeing or talking about. He had four assists. He was the one really creating for the Bulls out there, but still, not a good night for the Bulls on any end of the basketball court. I I don't know what positives there are from this game to really speak about beyond maybe the play of Patrick Williams in his first professional game, looked very comfortable, 16 points, four rebounds. Didn't look like a rookie at all, which is a very positive sign, I guess. The fact that he started at small forward, checked in, played with confidence, played on both ends of the, of the ball, showed what he can do defensively, showed what he can do in on offense. He was pretty encouraging. I thought there was moments where Otto Porter looked quite good. Lowry Markkinen, 21.7 rebounds, 4 assists. That was a really good game from Lowry marketing considering that you know only a couple of days before, he, the Bulls and, and Lowry didn't reach an extension. I thought maybe that may impact him mentally how was he going to come out in this opening season game and and sort of play having having known he didn't necessarily get that extension would that sort of play on his mind but that didn't really look to see that didn't look like it impacted his game at all so credit to Lowry who I thought was probably if not the Bulls best player certainly one of the one of the one of the rare few Bulls that did show up in this game so yeah, just a really, really bad game. I I wanted to get on here and just rant about it myself, but to be fair, I couldn't necessarily rant about this game myself because it was that goddamn bad. So I'm I'm pleased to say I'm not alone in this podcast now because joining me now is Salim Sudawala of the Bulls Gold Bulls Gold Podcast. Salim, thank you for joining me, mate. Because it was just me here for the first fifteen minutes or so just ranting about this goddamn game. <laughs> but uh, How are you, sir?
2: I'm not bad. Uh, you know, I was when you when you messaged. Uh and said you know anyone want a hop on i was like <laughs> do i i was like you know what yeah. why not I, yeah. <laughs> I i was like i was getting a little low energy there i was just kind of annoyed and i was like you know what l- l- let's give it a shot let's let's see if we can uh, talk to our frustration
1: <laughs> yeah look I-, I felt exactly the same mate i was like do i do i even bother doing this stupid podcast do i even want to waste my time doing this and to be fair i'm probably not going to go long with this podcast just due to how much of an annoyance this game was. But like you, as you sort of just alluded to there, maybe talking it out and hashing it out is the best way to get over it. So I yeah. just got done ranting about the defense, the offense itself. What were some of the takeaways that you had from this game that um that you liked maybe? I'm assuming there wasn't that many, but what were some of the concerns that you had from this game as well?
2: So the concerns, obviously the the same ones I'm sure you've gone over the defense. Uh, Kobe and Zach were the biggest issues on defense. Obviously, the bigs had some um, problems as well, but it was mostly with Kobe and Zach not being able to get to their man on the point of the attack that hurts on the pick-and-roll. Like, Trey Young was completely dicing up the the Bulls' defense. Um, I actually joked about the Bulls going back to blitzing the PNR um, (laughs) (laughs) because they were just so bad. Like, they... Not fighting through screens, you know, or, or the picks, and just letting him get to whatever spots he wanted. Um, Yeah, the, the, the bad there. Kobe's overall play, like you know, I, I know you're not, you're completely not in on Kobe as a point guard. I'm not necessarily in either, but I was like, you know what? Let's see what he can do. Hopefully, he shows improvement. And then he was just a complete disaster. Um, it's just really bad shots, you know, not. Doing anything to really get his teammates involved, like you know, people look at this box and "Oh, he had seven assists." I mean, that's that's crap. It's he was he was not a point guard out there at all. So yeah, just those are bad things that you saw. Uh Good thing Patrick Williams. Like I'm a big, I'm like all in on Patrick Williams this year. That's all. Like I don't know if that I'm already there where he's the only guy I'm looking at and kind of rooting for. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know if it's too early for that yet, but. I was just excited to see him do well. I think, you know, you saw the three-point shooting is probably not there yet. He hit one, but he's still not might be a reliable guy there. But offensively, I think you saw good things. Defensively, he made solid contributions. Yeah, just really him being happy with what he saw with him. Lowry, I guess offensively, he was fine. Everything else was bad with him. But, yeah, those are such some just some of the thoughts that I'm just kind of rambling off off the top of my head.
1: Yeah, look, I think most Bulls fans feel similarly at this point after one game. Um, yeah, I, I, my my mind is still all over the place after this game. It's been it's about an hour since the game ended, an hour and a half or so. But still, I'm trying to work out what the hell happened. Just just in this game itself, it was just completely over the place, all over the place rather. But yeah, I just don't know what to believe. More holistically, I mean, coming coming outside of this game, let's let's pull it back. Let's say like, and to your point there, like. Are we at the point of already sort of feeling about or just watching Patrick Williams and just hoping he's, he he progresses and who cares about the rest of the squad? I guess what I'm trying to mentally tell myself at this point is it was just one game. There was no preseason training really. I mean, it was basically a week of pre-season training. There's a new coach, new schemes, all that sort of stuff. I'm trying to convince myself that maybe with time things can slowly get back together and I'm trying not to be too reactionary just yet. But then at the same time, I keep oscillating with between those thoughts with, well, maybe this roster just isn't very good. I mean, we've all had questions and concerns about this roster, whether it's as a collective or as individuals. So when you see games like this, it's kind of like, all right, what is true? Like, (laughs) are these guys just that bad? Is this just one bad game? Am I just trying to mentally protect myself, you know, because I'm going to be watching every single game, 72 games, and I just don't want to get let down so soon? I guess I'm just going through all those mental hurdles at the moment, trying to work out how I should be feeling about this damn team and this stupid game. So I don't know if you feel similarly at all, but how how do you balance that?
2: Yeah, exactly. I think you headed uh, right on the head. I think we're we're sitting here trying to have certain expectations of this roster. um, Where you know we hear guys say certain things and we get excited over they're saying the right things. You know, Zach says the right things in the off season. Wendell says the right things in the off season. Kobe says the right things in the off season. But then once the game start, you know, the what they say doesn't really line up with what's actually happening. And obviously Wendell's probably the least of the concerns as far as uh, not the least of the concerns, but like with his defense and things like that, that's not concerning. But offensively we're not really seeing much improvement for him there. Zach, with his defense, he talks about, you know, I'm 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 committed to playing defense. And then we see him just, you know, like a wet paper bag most of the times out there. Uh, Kobe, obviously talking about, you know, being a point guard and learning to, you know, get his teammates involved, get the offense going. And we see nothing. Yeah, it's trying to talk ourselves into maybe what this roster really is as opposed to what we think it might be.
1: Yeah, and it's one of those things where like myself, again, maybe I was wrong about this in the off offseason. Maybe I'm not. It's, again, it's only just one game, but it was one of those things where I was like talking myself into the fact that, you know, there's a new coach, new schemes, the players are coming back now. They're hopefully got a little bit more experience. We haven't necessarily seen them play a lot of basketball together. So hopefully we would see that this season. So I was sort of talking myself into under a new coaching staff new schemes playing a little bit more sensible basketball that will start to see things fall into place and to be fair that may still happen but i guess it's just discouraging when you see all of your concerns about this team sort of rear their head in game 1 in the way they did and i, I want to i guess i can sit here and say it's only one game it's only preseason but for the Atlanta Hawks let's say like if you if you look at it from their perspective they're essentially a new team. They've got so many new players playing for them. They were without so many players themselves and they didn't look like they had missed any beat at all. So yes, they've got the same coaching staff. Yes, it's Trey Young still running the offense. So maybe there is more continuity for them than maybe what the Bulls had, but I don't know. They didn't look like they missed a step at all given that they only had, you know, one week to prepare for this. They didn't, they weren't playing in the bubble either like the Bulls. So I don't know, I I like I said, I just keep going back and forth and I, I I'm just trying not to get too disappointed because if this is what it's going to be going forward, then I just don't want to expend too much energy. But at the same time it's it's just one game, so I'm hopeful that they maybe they can bounce back. But are the things that we saw tonight that systemically flawed that can they really bounce back?
2: Yeah, I mean I think we, when you look at the Hawks compared to us, it's talent, right? Yeah, we don't really yeah. have—I mean, I, I know you've, you and I have commented on Trey Young's defense, but fact is, as an offensive player, that guy is a superstar. Yeah. There's, there's not much he can't do on offense. Mm-hmm. So at least they have him on the team, and he can really take them and lead them on offense and, and direct guys where to be, what to do. You know, he is a floor general. He is a pure point guard. He is that leader on for them. The Bulls don't have that at all. So when you're seeing Kobe, you know, jack up terrible shots, take, you know, Zach kind of isn't a guy that's going to step in and be like, well, I'm going to take the reins of this because he's not a point guard. We've seen that. We've been there, done that. It's, it's been over with. He's, he can't be a lead uh, ball handler. So we don't really have anyone to come in and take the reins. And it didn't help today that we didn't have sadransky And not to say Sadoransky is a savior, but at least he is some sort of a point guard out there that you can maybe say, look, let's put Zach and Kobe both off the ball. Let's run the show a little bit, and maybe we can kind of calm down a little bit and get some kind of flow going on offense. But then on the flip side, you also talk about, we've already talked about a defense. And, you know, we already talked all about the issues on there. But like I said, you know, there's just no, there's just no leaders on this team and there's there's a talent gap. Um, I think if you see the Hawks go play another team that's not the Bulls, like hat, that actually has a little more, uh, substance to them, like let's say like the Pacers, like the Pacers aren't a juggernaut by any means. But I think you'll probably see the Hawks maybe have a little more issues because you're playing a team that has more talent and you you're not, You know, they're not other obstacles that Pacers are going through that the Bulls are. So it could just be, you know, as simple as that. Like the Bulls just don't have the talent. They don't have that leader on them compared to the Hawks, and that's why you're seeing a Hawks team come out and just, you know, take the reins against the Bulls and just go take off from,
1: from with them. Yeah, I mean, they're all really good points, and one of my concerns, I guess, about this game, post-game at least, was the fact that the team was already talking about effort and the fact that they needed to come out with more effort, needed to come out and generate more effort themselves, play with more heart and more hustle and all those sorts of things, and that's really concerning to hear about after the first game of an NBA season when you haven't played in nine months you're playing at home yes there's no fans but at least you've got a home game like what, what are you guys even talking about the fact that you have to sort of generate effort but that is that is a concern in itself but I, I think you're definitely right from an offensive standpoint this this team just doesn't have that lead creator and i guess one of the one of those other thoughts that i had watching this game was <laughs> I've, I've talked about this a million times but this team really needs someone like chris paul who could just really run and orchestrate the offense and just allow guys like Zach and Kobe to to play off ball, put them in the right situations. It would help the entire offense. It would help every single player because if Kobe and Zach aren't generating for anyone else, it's sort of left to Wendell and who the house who else knows really but to to generate looks for others and at this point that's not going to happen so yeah you're definitely right I mean the Hawks have their own issues on defense the fact that the Bulls couldn't necessarily exploit that is a bit of a concern for their own offense but they do have Trey Young who is just a pick and roll master he's going to make any pick and roll defense look quite vulnerable at any point but he, he certainly exposed the Bulls tonight but yeah, you mentioned the the Indiana Pacers too, and, and that's actually a good segue into the fact that the Bulls' next game is against the Pacers. So thinking about these concerns, the larger framework concerns that we have against or we have for the Bulls, can they sort of rebuild this, I guess, over the next coming days and look better against a team like the Indiana Pacers, knowing that they've got the game against the Warriors thereafter and then two straight away against the the Washington Wizards? Can can some of the doubts and concerns that we have sort of been fixed in such quick succession here?
2: Well, the effort point is one thing. I think ideally you'd like to see a better effort. And you're right, that's concerning. Like, I don't understand. Like, we had that same question. like, why is the effort so bad uh, coming out of that first preseason game against the Rockets? We were all like, what the hell, man? They were just lazy out there. Now, again, Wendell was, you know, out right after postgame comments. He's saying, yeah, our efforts sucked. I'm sorry, I apologize to my teammates for our effort and I said I should need to try harder. That part of the thing against Indiana, that part of our game, yeah, that can improve. But the problem also is with the Pacers, they're a more as far as chemistry and everything's concerned, they're not coming in as unknown. They you know what they are, they know who they are. So that's the difficult part where do we, are we going to be able to really come in and establish anything against a, a team that's already established
1: themselves. Yeah, and look the, the Pacers aren't a great team. They're a good team. They're similarly to the to the Atlanta Hawks in terms of where they sit in the Eastern Conference, a 7, 8, 9, 10 type seed. We'll see obviously how the season plays out, but what they are is just a professional team. They they have they probably don't have any superstar type players, but they're just a team full of solid players who just play the game the right way. And if you're not on point on defense or even on offense, they can expose you as well. So, you know, I I, I wouldn't mind having an actual game against a, a, a worse off competition, let's say, where the, the Bulls can maybe gain some confidence in that sense. And even though the Indiana Pacers aren't a juggernaut, they are a team that know how to play basketball. So, I'm a little bit concerned going to that game on Saturday. Maybe they, they too could expose the Bulls on, on maybe defense more more specifically, even though they don't have a stud like Trey Young. So yeah, I'm a little bit concerned about this upcoming game, but maybe over the first 20 games, because the schedule over the first 20 games, essentially until the end of January is super, super tough. The first 20 games are rough, so... It does. it's not like the Bulls have a lot of time to really fix these issues and they, have, like we sort of said before, they didn't have a lot of time in training camp or in the preseason to really work out some of these kinks or some of these issues and I don't know if they can work them out because some of them are just maybe come down to the, the roster itself and the flaws of the roster. So thinking about that now and thinking about the fact that Arturo's kind of show was didn't necessarily change the roster at all, again, that was an element that I supported. I, I, I at least put forward a case as to why that made sense but at least after one game in the regular season, how are you feeling about the fact that the Bulls made zero changes to the roster at all, and we saw what we saw tonight, which was probably more of the same from last season.
2: I just like I don't know what changes really could have been made. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to know. I mean, I, I ideally, yeah, I would have liked to seen um trade for like Chris Paul or a point guard. Uh, trading for Chris Paul, I like I said, I, I was up for that. That was something I was interested in, but like, I I would hate to give up a first round pick for this team when we're still not sure what we are long term. Because as you can see, we might really have to blow this up more so than continue on with what we have. Like, Patrick Williams might be like the only guy left by the end of next offseason. On this current squad, and we may have a completely different outlook by then. So it's hard to give up a first round pick when you're trying to, trying to, you know, figure out what you have. We're not sure. And I always like people say, like, we have a core. I technically don't think we have a core. I mean, we, there's no one on here. You can say, like, yeah, this guy is going to be on the team. And like I said, Patrick Williams, uh, we're all high on and I I love Patrick Williams, but even he technically, we're not 100% sure that he's going to be a guy that, you know, that's going to be, we're going to be building around for sure. You know, like, yeah, we, we ideally think he can be, but it's not a guarantee. Uh, you know, it's not a stamp for sure. Um, so in that respect, it's hard to see, you know, what trade they could have made other than really just trading guys for draft picks and kind of just blowing the roster up. Those kind of trades more. So I think made more sense as far as when we're talking about trades.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're all fair points. And that was one of my defenses as well. Like, well, well, what are you going to do? Who's out there to really change the, uh, I guess, the landscape of this team dramatically? Like, is there any player out there that was available that was going to shift this team up a trajectory, like to to the point where they go past a team like the Hawks or or the Wizards or the Pacers or whoever it may be? Like that trade probably didn't exist out there. So yeah, to your point, like whatever moves they did make or could have made or were there, Who knows what they were, but they probably weren't necessarily changing the trajectory of this team or necessarily changing how we feel about some of the flaws and concerns more holistically about this team. So so to that point, I I definitely agree. But I guess, again, it was just stark watching this game, watching the team like the Hawks, who did make changes, who were playing like Danilo Gallinari at center, which was very an an inspiring move. Like That was interesting. Obviously, Gallinari was one of their big offseason signings. He had a super game. Bogdan Bogdanovich really hurt the Bulls from the three-point line. Again, the Bulls' defense on the perimeter was just terrible and allowed that to occur. But you saw a new look at Atlanta Hawks' team uh, who made moves in the offseason look quite good, extended themselves onto what they've been doing and what they've been building, whereas the Bulls, I guess, look very stagnant, look very similar to last season, which I guess is the the concern given that, given all the changes not on the court, but off the court. But um, yeah, it, it is a it's a little bit of a uh, a concern moving forward. But hopefully that can be fixed going into this Pacers game. And like I said, after that, quickly, very quickly, they got games against the Warriors, and then they are back to back against the Wizards. All teams that have good pick and roll offense, or potentially have good pick and roll offense, So like we saw what Trey Young could do against the Bulls' defense tonight. But when you got games coming up against what Russell Westbrook, Bradley Beal, Steph Curry. It could be exposed again, I guess. And that's, that is my concern.
2: Yeah. The, the Knicks game is the first game I'm looking at. I was, and I pulled up the schedule. I was looking like, okay, we're, we have just a bunch of guards coming up that are going to shred, shred our pick and roll defense. Um, but that Knicks game could theoretically be better. I think our, RJ Baird looked pretty good today, but I mean, I don't know how he'll look as the season progresses. But yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to know. I think, we can all agree i i feel like after these first what couple of weeks 3 weeks we might see some movement one way or another i i definitely think there's going to be trades where maybe for draft picks and stuff like that as opposed to trading for any type of established player to try to you know get into a playoff position or whatever
1: yeah and and i guess that's the the upside the safe if, if you if we want to call this situation any upside in it in the fact that if things just go terribly and and like we've sort of talked about in the past it's it's probably a good thing that the schedule is difficult so soon that way you have the ability to to make a decision as to whether the franchise goes from here and you can sort of pivot into that direction quickly like it's it's good that they have a tough schedule now rather than after the trade deadline that would be you you the worst case scenario would have been having a cupcake schedule up until the trade deadline maybe getting to that 500 mark or somewhere thereabouts and, and sort of um you know, maybe inflating the wins when maybe that's not really reflective of what could or should have been. So in that sense, getting to understand the flaws of the roster, what really is here right now is probably a good thing and and learning that now. So if there is any upside to these demoralizing losses, if they do continue to mount or if the Bulls continue to look like this way going forward, then that is the the upside. And from that standpoint, there's, there's not a lot of teams that are actively tanking at this point as well. A lot of teams are sort of gunning for the playoffs, particularly in the Western Conference. But even out East, there's only like maybe two or three actual bad teams. So in that sense, there is scope for the Bulls to sort of pivot quite quickly. So, I mean, we, we don't want to be talking about tanking and, and sort of throwing away the season so soon. But, I mean, that could potentially be an option if what we saw tonight sort of plays itself out more consistently.
2: Yeah, and, and it really is not technically tanking. It's just, <laughs> just, you know, facing reality more so, if anything.
1: Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, if if the team just doesn't have enough playmaking, if this is just bad, if the defense is just bad, it's not a lot lot of perimeter defense, then yeah, maybe it isn't tanking. Maybe this is just a bad basketball team. And um, and it is what it is in that sense. So, I mean, hopefully that's not the case because I don't want the season to be a complete failure. (laughs) after game one, and and I'm hoping that's not the case just for our own mental health, I suppose, given the fact that we've had to wait 9 or 10 months to see this team go around again. I'm hopeful that they're able to be a little bit more competitive, and maybe they can be, but uh, I guess I'm just a little bit worried.
2: No, the worry is definitely there. The worry is like, okay, if if it is something where we have to go back down to, you know, square one, how much longer do we have to wait before we see a competitive team in this town? And not necessarily a title contender, but a team that we're saying, OK, the arrow's pointing up and, you know, we're in- inching towards the playoffs and then we can see, you know, a light at the end of the tunnel. That That's that's the concerning part. And we've kind of been stuck in this. You know, this is what I call basketball hell. I know sometimes people say basketball hell is. You know, you're in the playoffs, but you can never win a championship, and then you're just always, you know, first on exit. I feel like this is more basketball health than anything because you don't have anyone on the roster where you can say, man, this guy is going to be a star, and he's the one we can build around, and then we got another piece or two that we can, you know, combine with him to build around. We don't have that, you know. We're kind of praying, obviously, we're talking about the draft coming up. There's guys like uh, Jalen Shuggs and. Uh, Cade Cunningham those are who are the two big names and then there's uh, other guys as well that have potential and we're hoping we land one of those guys but again we're we're, that's that's the that's the worry like we would have to go back to square
1: one yeah yeah and look this is year four of the rebuild I know it's it's kind of show this first season so in some sense it's, it's maybe year zero of the rebuild I understand that perspective but ultimately it is year four of the rebuild given that the roster hasn't necessarily changed that much and I've made this point before, either on Twitter or on the podcast, but this, the Sixers process under Hinky, they missed the playoffs in four straight seasons. Then they finally got back to the playoffs in their fifth season when they had Embiid and Simmons going around. The Bulls clearly don't have their version of Embiid and Simmons. So there's a real chance here that this Bulls rebuild, whether you want to sort of, whether it's consistent from Garpax through to K- Karnaschovas or whether you want to sort of just start it from the Karnaschovas area, th- there's a real chance that this thing is a prolonged losing experience which is which is tough for us as a fan base, particularly, you know, having multiple multiple seasons of a losing. That, that that is rough, particularly when you see what Jimmy Butler has done in Miami specifically. But I guess that's that's just the reality. If you don't have a franchise level talent, and at this point the Bulls don't have that, we're kind of hoping to see if any of them can break into that type of player, but. After one game in, in this season, it doesn't look like that's going to be happening around the corner. But look, Celine, we've we've recorded for 30 or 35 or so minutes, mate. I, I don't know how much more I can talk about this stupid game. I'm just hopeful <laughs> that things change on Saturday when the Bulls play the Pacers and obviously as they sort of start their tough run of schedule going forward. But uh, look, mate, thank you for jumping on. This was a lot more fun for me to be speaking about it with someone else. Getting my feelings out there with someone else; otherwise, it would have just been me ranting about it. So, um, appreciate you coming on. Tell the people where they can follow you online. If for whatever reason they're not already doing so, no, thank you so much for uh, you know inviting us or
2: me, I should say. Um, you can follow me at uh, Jordan Dynasty, and uh, you can I'll be also do a uh, Twitter account for our show called it's at Bulls Gold. Uh, but yeah, it's really appreciated. I love you know ha- having these conversations with you. It's Kind of help each other out to you know get through these games that just has been so frustrating in the last so many what five four years three years that we're just there's no there's no there's no you know bright spot to really you know cling on to we obviously there's games here and there where Zach goes off of forty nine points or you know Kobe does a couple of games where he has thirty back to back but outside of that it's just you know a lot of question marks more questions than real answers.
1: Yeah, look, I, I definitely agree with all those sentiments. Like I said, hopefully hopefully we're just overreacting and that this is just one game and things change very quickly. And after Saturday, Sunday, whenever the next couple of games are, that we just feel a little bit differently. And maybe we will. Maybe the Bulls win the next two games and they're two and one and we're just feeling a lot more differently. I'm on this podcast next time around talking about some wins. That would be ideal. But um, hopefully, hopefully things change. But if not, Salim... Ultimately, what you what what you need to do and what you need to think about is is the good things. And obviously, Christmas <laughs> is coming around. It's holidays. There are some positives in that sense. <laughs> we, uh, uh, so, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah to the listeners of the show listening in. I appreciate everyone who supports Bulls Gold, Bulls HQ, all the Bulls podcasters, really. I mean, thank you all for your support. So, if the Bulls are being just terrible and looking bad, at least we're in holiday mode. And uh, there's some upside in that sense. Hopefully everyone's staying safe over over this holiday period as well. I definitely want that to be the case. And just in lieu of all this nonsense, as as bad as the Bulls can be, that we can always take some stock or some solace in the fact that our friend C. Red Fred will most definitely be providing (laughs) us some some positives from maybe at his own expense. I say that, Salim, because uh, the reason why I'm setting this up is I finally got him to give me uh, or to pay up for his season-long bet that he owed me for last season. We had a bet running for a, for a win total. The, the Bulls would win 42 or more games. Uh, I obviously won that bet. So uh, after winning that bet, he was meant to record a Kirk Heinrich, ode or an ode to Kirk Heinrich, basically professing his love to Kirk Heinrich. He was meant to do that at the conclusion of last season for, for the Bulls, which was March. It took him seven or eight or even nine months to fulfill that bet, but I finally got it. Hey, I wanna play it to the listeners and we'll we'll close the show on, on C Red Fred reading and professing his love for, for uh for Kirk Reinrich. But again for Bulls fans, that is another way that we can find some joy through this season. Watching our friend C Red Fred. Just uh, creating some anguish, I suppose, from that standpoint, we can take some solace and, and gain some things or gain some value through his, his own misery. So uh, maybe that's a good way to close the show, Salim, <laughs> uh, by laughing and mocking our friend C-Red Fred. So we'll uh, leave it there. I appreciate you coming on, Salim. Thank you, uh, thank you. No, no problem, mate. Uh, but like I said, everyone tuning in, have a safe, happy holidays. Be safe out there, particularly with the whole COVID thing as well. Obviously, the, uh, 2020 has been a bit of a disaster. I'm hoping 2021 is so much better for we as Bulls fans, but just, you know, listeners of this show, you and your family, more beyond Bulls basketball, I hope 2021's a lot, a lot, more, uh, a lot more fruitful than what 2020 has been. So on that note, let's maybe end this, end this show and end this year on a more positive. So here's C. Red Fred to take us out, professing his love for the GOAT, Kirk Heinrich.
0: For those who may not be aware, my name is Frederick Pfeiffer, though you're more likely to know of me by my moniker, C. Red Fred. Aside from being a degraded radio celebrity in Chicago, one of the few remaining people on this planet who actually respects John Paxson, I also happen to be the least successful self-ascribed prophet known to man. Because of my terrible ability to see into the future, I bring you this communication today. You see, each season, I run a season-long bet with my great friend, whose last name I can't pronounce, so I just call him Mark K. from Australia. For the rare few who may not know who Mark is, he's my really handsome and talented friend one who really brings out the best in me each time we talk, and is someone who's been instrumental in my personal development over the last few years. I thank him profusely for all he's done in making me a better father, husband, and citizen. <laughs> anyway, the bet I had last season with the great and wise Mark Kay was, should the Bulls lose 42 or more games, I would have to wear her kind Rick jersey for one week, but also record this enthralling video, to which I profess my undying love and gratitude to Captain Kirk. Given the Bulls were so terrible last season, not even a global pandemic that would suspend the NBA season could stop me from losing the bet and making a false prediction. So here I am, with you now to tell you how much I love Kirk Heinrich and how much he truly means to me. In the past, I've been overly harsh on Heinrich, only looking at field goal percentages without context, caring little for defense, and not valuing intangibles he brings to a team, grit, art, hustle, and a blue-collar spirit the city of Chicago thrives on. But in recent days, reflecting on my time on this planet, looking back on all the mistakes I've made, and pondering over all my regrets, the most glaring, <laughs> glaring of them all has been how often I've overlooked and diminished the impact Kirk Heinrich had on our beloved Bull. Before him, there was nothing but the wasteland that Krauss had built after the dynasty era fell. Five long years of terrible basketball, but that would all change in 2003. I used to think that it was because of John Paxson becoming GM, but I was wrong. Had nothing to do with Paxson It was all about a player who was built in his likeness A beautiful, scruffy-haired combo guard One who would be the catalyst in the Bulls Discovering an identity we could all be proud of What Paxson saw in Heinrich I now see I am no longer blind I see the same in Ryan A too That archetype of a player One who will dive on the floor and make the hustle plays That others won't I've come to love that player And so now I love Kirk Heinrich, an infallible figure among Bull's lore.